Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Washington State men's basketball. It's been a great story. We talked to Kyle Smith earlier in the season, uh, just catching back up with him. They have caught lightning in a bottle. They're playing as well as anybody, not just in the in the conference. They're getting the attention nationally. Kyle Smith joining us again. Um, you and I talked off air about this, but, you know, when you're playing well, like, knock on wood, just kind of keep it going. <laughs> Don't talk about it. Is it. What's that like for you? There, there's definitely some truth in that. Um, you know, I've kind of doubled down a little bit on, you know, obviously play of our young point guard, Miles Rice. I've, uh, early in the set, I said, you know, as good as he gets, that's, that gives us a pretty big ceiling and he teams to keep putting. So I've, I, I've kind of doubled down on that one. But as far as the way we've been playing, the way we've been defending and everything else, just uh, just a good group that's uh, pretty even keel. Um, and uh, I think that's kind of one of the keys to just preparing the same way, staying in routine, and when you're playing well, just kind of embrace that. The two on the Oregon swing, you held Oregon State to 58 and Oregon to 56, and I thought, gosh, they're kind of finding new dimension. But then when I look back at your scores, I mean, you played that way against Utah earlier in the season. In Colorado, you held them down below their average. Defensively, what are you getting out of this group right now? You know, we're just really big, period. Yeah. Um, I think we're uh, our wings are 6'8", our four-man 6'9", and our starting center 6'11". We bring another 6'11", guy off the first guy off the bench, and then a 6'7", do-it-all uh, um, wing, point guard, power forward, and Kamani Hwinsu. So we're just really, really big, and that's our those seven guys take up the majority of the minutes. So it makes it hard to score around the rim. We're one of the better shot blocking teams in the country we forced no turnovers <laughs> i thought we forced a lot last night it was eight uh <laughs> but uh but we're just hard to score over and we're a pretty good rebounding team so that's i think that's made it just hard to get a, a easy look uh is uh what it's looked like from our end i was you know a couple of your fans diehard fans were asking me why aren't the cougars ranked higher and i said it's probably the non-conference schedule but when you look at what you've done you know, in in that first quad, especially on the road, you have, I think you have three quad one wins on the road, and it, it's remarkable. Was that intentional the way you scheduled in the non conference? One hundred percent in this day and age, and we obviously we had some attrition um, with some. You know, our goal was to retain guys, and it didn't work out, and uh, so we didn't. You don't know what your roster looks like till we probably weren't complete till sometime in June, and there was a you know it's just. And we're like, well, we're going to have some new faces. Um, even though I knew our talent was pretty good when we all got together, I was like, you could be very talented, but without any experience and without any building any confidence, um, you may not, you know, you may not get to where you need to go. And we had a, that team that went to the final four in IT. We never, we, we kind of kicked it in real late. So it was about getting our team put together as quickly as possible. Um, you know, not we weren't ready for any big road uh, games or whatever. I just felt like, hey, Let's see if we can grow this team, get better, and be honest. Our first, you know, first um, close scrimmage. I mean, we had to get Isaac Jones blocked shot to beat a Division two team. So we've we've grown a lot, <laughs> and it's just it's just like nine new faces. So that was kind of intentional, and it's worked out really well. From a personal standpoint, you know, we've talked about this before. You lose a guy to Villanova, a guy to USC, NBA attrition, and you know, you you replace it with Sonoma State and. 
big sky kid and a community college kid and you know it's remarkable but is it is it more gratifying for you because of the way this all came together are you having like you know you've coached a long time are you having kind of a a nice season as a coach and a teacher in that way yeah a little bit i mean every year is different when you return the same guys and it's just uh it was just kind of how it fell into place in the spring as far as we really doubled down on um, getting guys with great attitudes that really want to be here and they're willing to work. And um, it just kind of fell in where some of them are grown really close together. I mean, they uh, go to the same Bible studies and stuff like that. So it's kind of a – it's a group that's rooted in some other things other than NIL and, and playing time. They're, they they kind of – you know, that was intentional too. I was like, well, at least these guys got things probably a better perspective and what's really important in life. So – that's what kind of need to watch. And, you know, as a coach, you're always learning too. And, and, uh, they, uh, their confidence, or I say as much, uh, Miles obviously a really confident player, but the, the other guys are kind of quiet, go about their business. And, uh, they just, just been growing as they've knocked, you know, they had some success. You know, it's usually really hard to handle success, but this team seemed to gain confidence moving forward. It's funny. I talked to another coach who said, you know, he wants to recruit guys that don't have cell phones. And because yeah. you know, and I said, yeah, that would be ideal. You know, if you can find a kid yeah, who's yeah, that, not that a find one. Good luck. Yeah. Is he, he recruiting for a ninth grade team? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was say, like there, maybe you got a middle schoolers that don't have it, but even those guys have fun. I always think about that. You remember when you were a kid? You'd come home from school, be like three o'clock, whatever. If you're not at playing a sport, or later if you are, and school was behind you. You didn't bring it home with you. And I think about kids, and even your kids on your roster. And I call them kids, but you know. Yeah, the noise. Sure. There's just constant oh. noise. No, I, and that's just we we address that every day, and trying to. I mean, I was well, even six years ago, I was like trying to like, hey, man, I, there's nothing good that happens online, the Twitter, blah blah blah, you know, and all yeah. that stuff. And and I had some guys that would step up. Now it's like as you get them now, they've just they're all been raised on uh, screen time and stuff like that. So it's like I just you know try to coach them up on how to manage that stuff and tune that stuff out. And it doesn't really matter, uh, it, you know, what people say or do and, and getting going down those rabbit holes is, is not good for anybody, good or bad. And then, and then you'll see a feature like where Steph Curry's checking his Twitter at halftime. And I'm like, Oh goodness. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like the best, one of the best guards of all time. He, he's, it's giving him mojo, you know, his motivation. And Clay, I'm like, Oh goodness. I'm like, ah, just out, tune it out. Kyle Smith with us, uh, Washington State men's basketball coach. Um, obviously, you'd love to draw better at home. you got Stanford tomorrow, 3 o'clock. I know there's some Washington State fans who uh, listen to this show and listen to the podcast that would love to be there. Make an appeal to them. What, what does it mean to your guys to look up, you know, having a great season and see people, you know, in, in one of, you know, I know you have another three games at home. Yeah. But to see people tomorrow, 3 o'clock, when you play Stanford, what would that mean to them? I just mean, you know, just honor what these guys have been doing. They put themselves in the hunt for this uh, last uh, Pac-12 season, as we know it, or Pac-12 team. And it means a lot. And, and honestly, I think it was a misprint. I think we had a few more than what was published in <laughs> last night. It was pretty good. And the students are coming out. So I, I think these last four we have coming home, I think we'll draw well. We got Stanford Saturday at 3. Um, then we go down to Arizona, and we come back to finish the season with three more at home. So, Hopefully building some momentum. I told our guys that when we're building the program, been around really for it. Somehow it's always the last piece and but when they get there they're 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 there. Hopefully they're tuned in, they appreciate what these guys are doing, um, and we'll have a 
they're really good support. Yeah, you can always. There's always room on the bandwagon, right? Like, oh you know. yeah, we we <laughs> yeah, no question. We're not. We don't discriminate. I'm not that guy. Not, I'm not that guy. Where were you? Where were you? I'm yeah. like, welcome aboard. Come on in. You're, Come on in. We, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> uh, Washington State ten and four in conference play, nineteen and six overall. You mentioned, um, you know, guys are big. I think you're the second biggest team. You're really long. When I watch you play, I go, gosh, those passing lanes, good length, really good defensive team, good rebounding team. Can a team built like that, do you need, I guess, do you need athletic perimeter play? Do you need better guard play? What do you need in the next six or seven games to kind of, you know, make this team ready for tournament play? Yeah, um, I think that's fair. I mean, we're like, you know, we lost Joseph Yesifu to a hip surgery who was an explosive perimeter defender, uh, just perimeter athlete and that could score. Um, and that would have been, so we've kind of pieced it together and, and no team's perfect. I hear those guys on ESPN or whatever saying like, Hey, there's not a perfect team out there. I think that's right. I think there's no, no team that's just like has everything um, figured out. But, um, but I think you got to lean into what our strengths are. I think just like I said, that the size of the, the skill, I mean, look, those, our starting group, when they play together, you've really got a unique chemistry and on both sides of the ball, I think, and, and uh, the scoreboard usually goes the right way. And it's about getting – we've got a couple of freshmen that are Isaiah Watts and Ruben Chinulu that, that as they get more comfortable, you know, freshmen go up and down and they get better where they can do it on the road and, and blend in there more than, than I think we get better. And you guys are – I mean, it's just fun to see you guys playing the way you are. And I, t- I said the other day, I said I think – this team could be a Sweet 16 team, as, oh, good, geez. as good as you are. Jeez, there's the toxic. There's the toxic <laughs> noise. We're, we got a lot of work to get this out of it. We're not like we got a lot of games left. Knocking on wood. Knocking yeah, on wood. Yeah. But look, no like Arizona's number five. You beat Arizona. There's not that much gap, and you're right. There's everybody's flawed. You get into a tournament. Yeah. Like I wouldn't no, want to play you guys. No, I that's a no. I got some believers on this team, and and. Uh, as far as their confidence in themselves in a good way. And they're like, oh, you know, I was like, hey, there's like, we're praying for it. I said, I said, hey, pray for, make sure we're in the tournament first. Before we, <laughs> make sure that's locked up. I said, one step. You can't, you can't advance without getting in it. And you know, we won't know till we win the Pac 12 tournament or selection Sunday. So, uh, you know, and just trying to think that it's all part of just trying to stay one day at a time, just keep improving. Um, it's tough, 18 to 22 year olds, and like I so said, they have all kinds of uh, media outlets. They're going to talk about stuff and interviews and everything else. But that's, I mean, you can't avoid it. You got to deal with it. And hopefully, our guys are, are prepared. And I was proud of them last night because we got a lot of attention this week. And and it wouldn't have shocked me if uh, you know, like Indiana State was ranked and they got beat at home. And first time they've been ranked since yeah. Larry Bird was there. And so I was like. You know, trying to tap into those things like, hey, fellas, it's, you know, we got to handle it. And, and our guys played in Cal. I thought played hard and we we just made some good plays and that was a good win for us. I always say you're never as good or as bad as people say you are. And you got to remember that. There you go. And that's a great. Give me a, that's a. I'll use that. Use that. Yeah. Uh, give me an idea. At the end of last season, you know, and I think Oregon State's women's program was going to Scott Ruick. I talked to him just yesterday. You know, they were they were feeling like, you know, the conference thing was hanging overhead. The portal has been a problem. I know you were you were it was not your best days at the end of last season, like you and in the spring. You know, no. How did you get through that? How did you because you you pulled it together. So help the rest of us out, like people who may encounter some kind of adversity or struggle. What did Kyle Smith do? 
Yeah, that's a great question. It's it's like a whirlwind. It's unfortunately every spring has become like when you take a new job. And I always say to coaches, when a lot of guys won't leave jobs because you know the next six months of your life are going to be hectic. I think you're taking guys, everything's going to take two times as long, and it's just it's just really stressful. You're on the phone twenty four seven, and you're just trying, and, and it's a crapshoot. I can't lie to you. I mean, I, I call I. I say it's like playing Texas Hold'em. You get two, you got two in your hand, and you're waiting <laughs> yeah. for the flop, and then the river, and like just say, "Hey, what do we got?" And then you find out, no, but but there's, I'd like to say there's a lot of magic, but we just had a lot of oars in the water, and we got really good staff, um, and you got hard if you're in Pullman to recruit and everything else, and um, you know, and I thought we were settled. And we were in pretty good shape. I knew we had Justin Powell. He tells me he's staying in the draft. And I'm like, huh? And uh, he was given a nice, you know, honorable mention, all-league type player. And and uh, we really didn't completely replace him. And it's like, well, we, even with all the other attrition, I was like, that was a dagger. And we somehow we were able to survive that. And it's just like I said, there's always the same number of players out there. So, you know, see guys leave, it's more of a, there's a little more drama than it's reality. You know, it's like, okay, because there's other guys out there. The hard part is getting them acclimated quickly. And, yeah. You know, a guy like Dan, Dan Altman's been able to do it. But it's hard to do it every year. You know, yeah. you'll see – who did I see the other day? I was like, you know, like uh, Ed Cooley's struggling at Georgetown. And, and, you know, they have some money to put some players in there. He's a good coach. And it's like, it's just a different – it's just guys that are good coaches get a funky hand that's work with year over year. So it's, it could be – you know, before in the past, you know, as much attrition, your program's going to stay at a pretty solid level, but that, that can change a little bit. He's 19-6, and 10-4 and four in conference play, uh, just uh, a half game back of Arizona in the standings. Get Stanford uh, tomorrow in Pullman, if you want to check it out, 3 o'clock. Uh, Kyle Smith, congrats to you. Keep it going. I'll see you in Vegas. I can't wait to see you at the okay. tournament and see what you guys look like. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. It is remarkable, if you think about it, what Washington State was facing at the end of last season. And we talked with Kyle Smith on the show, and, you know, he was pretty down. I mean, DJ Rodman goes to USC, loses another kid to Villanova, a couple in the NBA draft that probably could have stayed, were kind of on the fence, staying, going, and it looked dire. The conference is changing. I do think Washington State's got a looming problem because I think, you know, Kyle Smith's going to get job offers based on what he has done this season. But it's a good problem to have if you're Pat Chun, the AD at Washington State. Like, this is not a bad position to be in. Uh, you know, w- w- will Washington try to hire Kyle Smith away? Will someone else? Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But uh, Pullman, Washington, tomorrow, 3 o'clock, Stanford at Washington State. They get Arizona next week and Arizona State. That'll be an interesting road swing for Kyle Smith's team. But right now, I, I have Washington State and Arizona penciled into the conference championship game. I think they're going to be the one seed and the two seed. I think they'll play through. Um, you know, I, I do think UCLA is a big disruptor. They're playing much better. Mick Cronin has them playing better. Oregon's always dicey. Oregon can beat anybody on a given day. They're good enough and well-coached enough. Colorado's streaky. Arizona State has been underwhelming to me, and the rest of this conference really is starting to slide back. I, you know, I'm looking at Utah and Washington and Cal and USC and Oregon State sliding back. So not as wide open as I thought it was going to be about two weeks ago. But right now, I see Arizona-Washington State in the title game. I think UCLA, Oregon, and Colorado are contenders uh, that could could disrupt. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I want you to leave it here. 
You got the bald-faced truth statewide on the BFT Radio Network. I rather enjoyed that talk with Kyle Smith, the Washington State men's basketball coach. That's how it should sound. Coach is having fun. His team's winning games. Washington State's dangerous. It's a good coach. Problem for Washington State is going to be that, uh, you know, people are going to come calling. And I don't know that Washington State will be able to retain Kyle Smith among uh, suitors who uh, chase after him that are going to play in conferences that aren't going to be playing like a you know WCC basketball schedule. Uh, there's a problem for Oregon State and Washington State with that schedule. On one hand, the WCC is not a bad basketball conference. Top of that conference, especially in men's basketball, the Gonzaga is pretty good. But there's a reason why kind of the middle of that conference and the bottom of that conference does what it does. Um, the middle and bottom of that conference is sort of bogged down by the idea that athletes that are going into those schools, A, are not receiving the NIL money that other Power 4, Power 5 conference schools are getting, and B, there's a matter of, you know, I don't know what the answer to this is, but there's just a matter of time where at some point, if you're playing a bunch of WCC schools and you are saying, hey, no, 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 we're a power, we're funding like a power five. But you're playing a WCC schedule over and over and over again, and that's who you're playing. You're playing St. Mary's. You're playing University of Portland. You're playing, you know, there just becomes a point in time, like, is it one season? Is it two seasons? At some point, you kind of become a WCC school in the eyes of recruits. That's kind of the problem that Oregon State and Washington State are facing. At some point, they become, eh, you know, like maybe there's an issue there. And I think that is going to be the thing that Oregon State and Washington State are going to fight. Can you get away with doing it for one season? Probably. You could probably sell your roster on it. And if you're pouring in NIL money at a, at a rate that is higher than most of the WCC schools, you're going to recruit better. You're going to get good players. Maybe you retain your players, but like there's a problem facing Washington State. Can it retain its coach? I don't think it can. I think Kyle Smith's probably going to end up somewhere else in a year, but let's see what the, how this season unfolds and develops for Washington State. To this point, he is, you know, that team is dangerous. And I do think that team is a Sweet 16 team if it stays healthy. It's just big. They're long, they're good defensive. That's a team in a tournament that can, that will be a very tough out. Oregon State is, on the other hand, stuck with Wayne Tinkle. There's no other way to say it. They owe him $8.7 million. At the end of this season, uh, there's going to be a, a real question, like can he retain the players on his own roster? Will somebody come calling for Jordan Pope, um, You know, who is, I think, Oregon State's easily their best player. But Oregon State doesn't have guys. They're young, and they're not very talented, and, and it shows on the court. But $8.7 million? Might be a little rich. Might be too much for Oregon State to make a move. Feels like it is, given that so much of what they're facing is about money. Do you really want to be in transition, going to you know going off to play the WCC schedule, and then also going, hey, we're going to break in a new coach among it, amid it. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and recruit to that. I mean, it's just asking a lot of whoever would get that job. And within the WCC, there's a huge difference between what the teams 
in the top two or three positions are earning and spending on NIL. On the men's side, you literally could say that the top four teams in the WCC are outspending everybody else. They almost go right down the line, one, two, three, four, in the rankings of what they spend and how much they invest in players, and that's just kind of how it unfolds in men's basketball. On the women's side, I don't know what's going to happen. In particular, I don't know what's going to happen to Oregon State. That's the one I'm watching because Scott Ruick is cooking right now. That team, they're ranked 11th. People are asking, you know, how good can they be? Are they a Sweet 16 team? Yes. Are they an Elite 8 team? I think so. I think with the Portland Regional, Oregon State could end up playing in a regional final with a chance to go to a Final Four. They're that good. And they're, they've got Reagan Beers. They've got depth. I like that. They're, you know, the player that we all kind of looked at last season as their best player, uh, Talia Van Offen, she is not their best player this season, and she's sort of a contributor. Like, they, they just have, I think, developed into a better team, and they're dangerous, but I am also going, okay, let's say they make a, a regional final. Let's say they get to uh, Portland in the regional final, and, you know, they're one of the best uh, they're in the Elite Eight, and they're playing for a Final Four. What happens next year? Can you retain those players? Will the NIL collective at Oregon State step up? Will the players stick around? I don't know. If, if you're going to play a WCC schedule, I don't know the answer to that. Or, or can you sell the players on the idea that this is a one-year thing? And then after that, um, you know, we'll uh, reevaluate, reassess, move forward. I'm really curious to see that. I'm really curious to watch that unfold and develop. Super tuned into that. It brings us to our big splash. It's the one thing that you need to know today. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The Big Splash. Brought to you by Killer Burger, home of the peanut butter pickle bacon burger and voted best burger five years in a row. Killer Burger, the burgers your mama warned you about. Well, it was the worst kept secret in the Pac-12 conference. Commissioner George Klyovkov and the Pac-12 have parted ways. They made it official today. Reports earlier this week that they were working towards a settlement and a separation. The Pac-12 conference today, midday, made it official. Here's George Klyovkov. Six months ago, Pac-12 Media Day in Vegas. I was there. Klyovkov was there. Well, it's a combination of knowing where our media rights are going to land and being very confident about that and understanding the commitment that all of our schools have had for 12 months to each other, despite all the news articles about people leaving our conference. And I would say, you know, the, the most speculation has obviously been about around Colorado. And I would just direct people to the interview in the Denver Post earlier this week that Chancellor DiStefano did. There's George Klyovkov just days before the conference itself unraveled. Colorado left, then went uh, Oregon and Washington, and, of course, the splintering of the conference on his watch. How much do you put on George Klyovkov? Well, if we're talking percentages, I'll put, you know, a cool 25% on the uh, former commissioner, George Klyovkov. I'll put another... 25 or so percent on Larry Scott, the commissioner that, that was his predecessor. 
clearly the path to destruction was laid by Larry Scott. No way around that. But if we're really assigning blame here, I'll probably put another 40% on the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors who failed to lead or maybe were impossible to lead. I think, uh, you know, one of my big criticisms of Klyovkov was that he did not manage his board. And then, you know, other people believe, like, they were unmanageable. And in the end, I'm left thinking about, you know, Klyovkov's tenure, his presidents and chancellors, and how they just failed the failure of leadership. It really is, like, if you're going to title the, the book to the destruction of the Pac-12, it's, the, it's a failure of leadership. That's it, you know. It, it, it really is. I mean, there's no mystery here. It was a failure of leadership in so many ways. I And again, I'm, I have 10% of blame that I've held back, right? Because 25% on Klyovkov, 25% on Larry Scott, 40% on the, on the uh, chancellors and presidents of the conference. The other 10%, I'm going to put on television. I think Fox and ESPN are playing a dirty game. They have seized control of college athletics. The conference commissioners have ceded that control too easily to television. And I think one network in particular, Fox, they obviously want to own it all. I had one athletic director in the 11th hour of the Pac-12's downfall tell me that Fox was trying to own it all. And in the end, Fox got what it wanted. Greg Sankey is the SEC commissioner. I did an interview with Sankey this morning. It spanned more than 30 minutes. We talked about Chip Kelly's proposal to split away college football. Sankey doesn't like it. We talked about the NCAA tournament. Sankey wants to expand it. We talked about the landscape of college athletics. How different is college football from the NFL? Sankey says there's big differences, and he's holding on to them. Leave it here. You'll hear it. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.